The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Here to set you free on this Friday, TGIF. How you doing? I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy in talk. Thank you to listening on radio, on listening on stream, listening on podcast all the various networks that carry the show, and for watching us well on Twitter's Periscope, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, and YouTube Live. I'm your host, Leslie Marshall. Joining us today is Melinda Newhouse. Melinda is from the United is with the United Steelworkers. She directs the USW's Strategic Campaigns Department, supporting members during challenging bargaining. Now, she has been 23 years with the USW as a steelworker, and she and her department have helped the members of this great union mobilize and build power across a wide range of industries, and that includes steel, not just steel, oil paper, healthcare, and more. Please check out the website for USW. And I know when we've had people on from the USW in the past, you certainly have. You learn a lot about this great union and and maybe being a part of it yourself, usw.org. And on Twitter and Instagram, follow them there at Steelworkers. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Melinda. Do you prefer Ms. Newhouse? Melinda, what would you like on this Friday afternoon? Melinda is fantastic. Sounds good, and it's a pretty name. Uh, Melinda, thank, thank you for joining us um, so, so much uh, to talk about. Um, over the past year, especially during a pandemic, um, we have seen a wave of workers uh, fed up, workers across the nation who are now taking bold action because they're fed up. It's a movement that has been since dubbed Striketober. Um, and when you look at workers specifically in areas like manufacturing, healthcare, education, or in the service sector, other industries as well. They put their lives on the line, especially in healthcare, each and every day. They're working exhausting amounts of, of hours. They're working overtime, more overtime than we've ever seen. And why? Just to keep our nation operating during uh, this pandemic. Um, before we talk more about this, can you touch upon that striketober uh, with workers who are fed up, who sometimes feel burnt out working all these overs and all these uh, hours and all this overtime in these areas of manufacturing, healthcare, edu education, the service sector, and others. Sure, Leslie. I first want to say thanks so much for having me on. It's always a good day to talk about worker action and worker empowerment. So I'm Absolutely. happy to be with you. Um, you know, as we think about what's happened over the last couple years with this pandemic, you know, in the early days, it was very uncertain, uncertain, but right now we're seeing companies are reporting record income, record profit, record sales, CEO pay is skyrocketing, dividends for Wall Street way up. And what do workers get? Most of them are working, like you said, longer hours, um, short staffed, which means they have to work even longer hours. Uh, worker pay is stagnant. Um, you know, workers start to think about this risk-reward analysis. We're going to work. We are putting our families at risk. We are putting ourselves at risk. And for what kind of benefit? Um, and so, as you said, workers are fed up. They're tired of being stomped on and crapped on. And they really would like to have some respect. And so I think what we're seeing is uh, people feeling like, 
they finally have a chance to stand up. Um, you know, part of it is because of the labor shortage that's happening. Um, people feel like the company scare tactics are less scary. Um, and they feel like now is the time to take advantage and to uh, stand up for themselves and for future generations of workers. You know, when you talk about, and to your point, um, about what's happening to these corporations and their bottom line and these employers, um, they're bringing in, as you mentioned, record profits. Um, and if you think about it, this labor force has enabled the rich to get richer, right? It's their hard work on their backs that the world's billionaires or millionaires become billionaires. But despite this, many workers are facing demands for concessions, concessions like two-tiered wage systems and threats to their retirement security. Uh, can you speak to those uh, threats? To, can you speak to those concessions that workers are facing demands of from these corporations that are getting richer on their backs? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think about uh, a campaign that I was involved with during October, during Striketober, um, at Kaiser Healthcare, where we have 7,000 of our members, but there were 32,000 members in this uh, alliance of healthcare unions representing everyone from housekeepers and food service to registered nurses and pharmacists who uh, really showed up in, in, you know, the darkest days of the pandemic. And, um, you know, we had a member who uh, was a mobility tech who literally was moving dead bodies to freezer trucks outside uh, during the surge um, that was seen in, in Southern California. And these members sacrificed. They showed up when they were supposed to show up, you know, and they took pride in doing their work. And what Kaiser did was they came to the bargaining table and we had just seen these signs, heroes work here, healthcare heroes. Um, and Kaiser comes to the table and says, 1% raise and we need to pay all new hires or new employees less money when they start. Um, meanwhile, Kaiser's sitting on $45 billion in cash reserves. Um, and so it was no surprise that all of those workers through all of those classifications stood up and said, no, we're not going to take it. And this is not acceptable. And we deserve respect on the job. And these workers mobilized and communicated like they have never done before. It's like this pandemic really put some resolve into them to realize you know, we're stronger together and we look after each other because clearly our employer is not looking after us. Um, and when you talk about, Leslie, 32,000 members, they're spread across 100 uh, geographic locations. So they're not all working at the same place. Some are working in hospitals. Some are working in clinics. Some are working in clinics and are told, don't work at your clinic. Now we need, because of the COVID surge, we need you to go work at this hospital or we need you to go to this testing location and help process people who are taking COVID tests. And so when, when members get fed up, like we're talking about, they started talking to each other and organizing together and they mounted the strongest campaign that Kaiser has seen uh, over the period of that bargaining in order to push back and really were at the brink of a strike 
you know, so close to a strike that they hadn't seen before. And it really shows the courage that these members had um, and the tenacity in order to beat back one of the major um, and most influential employers in Southern California. You know, there's so, uh, so much I want to say. We have just a couple of minutes till until break. You know, there, there's power in numbers, and the workers here have proven this, right? When they stood together and and demanded the kind of wages, the working conditions, and the benefits uh, they deserve. And you know what? To do this to healthcare workers, especially during a pandemic, uh, shame on Kaiser. And I know some people say, you know, you hear people say, well, we're in a pandemic. How can a healthcare worker strike? Listen. These people are putting their lives, on, I'm married to a healthcare worker. These people are putting their lives on the line every day. They are overwhelmed physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually, I might add. I was watching a documentary yesterday on COVID and they had to stop the tape of this one doctor they were interviewing because he got so emotional. And what he said is, you have no idea what it's like to see so many dead bodies, to have to move those dead bodies. So when you said, Melinda, that they, 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 you know, they're coming to work, you know, they're moving dead bodies, people don't understand. There's a lot, that's a lot more difficult on the human psyche uh, and the human heart than people understand. And another thing, these people want to work. They just want to have the, they just want to be paid a decent wage, have proper working conditions and get the benefits they deserve. And I don't think that's too much to ask in the profession they're in and during this pandemic. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And when we come back, we'll continue talking more with Linda Newhouse from the United Steelworkers, director of USW Strategic Campaign Department. Back with her, back with you right after And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. We welcome Melinda Newhouse and welcome her back. She was with us for the first segment, if you've just tuned in. She's with the United Steelworkers and she directs the USW Strategic Campaigns Department. We're talking with her about Striketober. Melinda, thank you for holding and welcome back. Speaking of Striketober, uh, without knowing it at the time, members of USW Local 40, which began their unfair labor practice strike against special medals on October 1st, we're at the forefront of this striketober movement. Now, in addition to wage cuts and freezes, the company's initial proposal demanded significant increases to the cost of healthcare benefits and elimination of life insurance for retirees, among other cuts. Uh, Melinda, can you speak to us about USW Local 40, their unfair labor practice strike against special metals that started on October 1st, the forefront of this striketober movement and um, the proposal by companies like this, and we've seen this, like you mentioned with Kaiser in the last segment, um, but with USW Local 40, who cuts healthcare benefits um, and eliminates life insurance even more so during a pandemic? I know when you said that, it's just, yes, life insurance for retirees, people who have already dedicated their life to the company you're going to cut their life insurance. It's just, it's outrageous. And, you know, you said this before in the previous segment, decisions to go on strike are not taken lightly because people want to work. They are proud. They want to provide for their families. 
And so when we talk about workers in Striketober and beyond uh, standing up to uh, corporate America, they don't do it because they woke up and decided to do it one day. They do it because it's a tax over a period of time. And this is just you know, outrageous that this company wants to do this to these workers in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, I'm proud to say that this is such a strong group that they have had zero people cross the picket line. So they went on strike in October 1st. They're still on strike and they have had zero people cross the picket line because everyone is united around protecting retirees and uh, protecting health care for members and their families. Um, you know, it's it's hard in these winter months. Um, and they've had a couple really, really cold nights uh, where they've had to actually shut down the picket line due to the safety of the strikers um, and then reopen them the next day. But they are determined um, to stand their ground and to uh, fight back here. Um, they've had tremendous support from the community, Leslie. Of course, it's just an outpouring because when people hear these stories, you can't help but be out there and say, what can we do to help you? So from uh, food and diapers to uh, fundraising events, you know, they have had strong support, which has helped them stand, uh, stand up in this case. And in this case, Kaiser, all the other cases, what we're definitely seeing is uh, more cohesion, workers sticking together like never before. Do you think that's made the difference in um, strikes ending sooner or um, workers not having to strike and corporations sitting down and really listening and, you know, this sticking together uh, by these workers? Has that really made corporations stand up and take notice? Did they get their attention in doing this? I certainly think some have, um, and you know the the smart ones. I'll tell you have because what we're seeing is it's across the country and it's across sectors. It's not just people who work with their hands and make things in a factory. Um, you know, you see service sector workers who are tired of having to deal with uh, angry customers, unsure whether they're going to have working hours. Um, having to mask people or having to uh, enforce mask mandates, these things where, um, you know, people are not getting paid what people should get paid to do those types of things. So I definitely think that people are sticking together and there is this collective um, sense of wanting to support each other and feeling like in the toughest of times, this is the times when we have to come together um, and, so, so certainly some companies are, but I would tell you that, you know, the, some companies are trying to use the same playbook they always have, mm. uh, where they try to scare people and they try to say, well, your jobs will get shipped overseas if you try to stand up for yourself. Meanwhile, like we said at the beginning, raking in record profits, record, record income with record sales. Um, but I think people are people and workers specifically are seeing through that and standing together, as you said. Well, yeah, what I like uh, that you you had, had mentioned and, you know, I had read about this was that there wasn't just support from, you know, fellow unions or fellow union workers, but the entire community 
Um, and, and that's heartwarming because, you know, everybody in the community, whether you're part of a union, part of this union or not part of a union or just in the community and you know what these workers are dealing with and you hear what these corporations are doing and people read about the rich getting rich, richer, the people read about uh, the record profits that these corporations are having uh, in this particular fight. Uh, this attracted the attention of Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Sanders uh, late last year appealed to Warren Buffett. Uh, Warren Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, actually owns special metals and they asked him to intervene. Um, you know, what? Well, can you speak to us with that and, and what happened with that? Yes, um, Bernie Sanders, Senator Sanders did uh, reach out for support, did reach out to Warren Buffett, as you mentioned. Um, this is a typical response that we hear dealing with companies. It's someone basically sort of wringing their hands or wiping their hands and saying, well, I allow my uh, the companies under me to manage themselves, which is pretty much what Warren Buffett did. So it's not surprising because we see that nobody wants to actually take responsibility for things. Um, but you know, it is a Berkshire Hathaway company. It yeah. is a profitable company. And so there's absolutely no reason why they need to come after cuts to retirees and to families. Absolutely. We're going to take a break. We have less than a, a minute to our hard break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some other workers because uh, special metal workers, well, they were far from alone in this nation, and that's why it was called Striketober. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back with Melinda Newhouse from the United Steelworkers. And like I said, check out their website, usw.org. Follow them on Twitter, at Steelworkers. Follow them on Instagram, at Steelworkers. And a reminder that Melinda is USW Strategic Campaigns Department Director. We'll be back with her. We'll be back with you right after this. Don't go away. We are back. We are me, Leslie Marshall, and Melinda Newhouse from the Steelworkers USW Strategic Campaigns Department Director. Melinda, thank you for holding and welcome back. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, we went to break at the end of the last segment. Workers at Special Metals were far alone uh, in this striketober. Uh, they were um, leading the fray October 1st, but on October 4th, there were approximately 1,400 members of the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers International Union, the BCTGM. They walked off That's the job helpful. at not one, but four Kellogg's plants, fighting back against concessionary contract proposals that would have imposed, again, higher health care and benefit costs, cut vacation time, and created a two-tier wage schedule that would have divided uh, that workforce. Uh, Melinda, can can you speak to the BCTGM uh, workers that walked off the job at those four Kellogg's plants? Sure. These workers stepped up to feed us during the pandemic, yep. uh, working long hours, sometimes 12, 16-hour shifts, day in and day out. Um, you know, and again, this is just a repeated pattern where the company comes in and Kellogg says, we need to cut $13 off of the top pay permanently for anybody who comes in uh, as a new employee. And so these workers stood up, not just for themselves here, but really future generations. Um, you know, we talked about these, these two-tier uh, proposals and um, 
this sort of corporate agenda that's been around for a long time. And, you know, for any of your listeners or viewers who don't understand a two tier system is something where you will have two people who are doing the very same job, but they will be getting paid different amounts because in a two tier system, if someone is hired after a certain date, they automatically make less than their coworkers who are doing the same thing. And so this is a, a very much a uh, divide and conquer mentality that corporate America has been pushing uh, for a long time. And workers are taking advantage of this moment with a worker shortage and with strong collective um, support to push back on these things and sometimes roll them back and sometimes fight them off entirely like at Kellogg's. Again, right, power in numbers, not one plant, but uh, four. And then when you look at the uh, UAW, the United Auto Workers, 10,000 workers who were represented by the United Auto Workers, the UAW, uh, at John Deere, uh, they began their strike 10 days after that, October 14th, and they ultimately won a contract that does provide good wages, that does provide other benefits that benefit uh, uh, the worker. Um, you know, so again, this strike tober has been for some very effective. Absolutely. But um, we don't need to go to that the- point. Like you said, we don't need to go to that point. You know, these corporations push it and, and, and are pushing these people beyond the breaking point. And again, to me, it's just it's inexcusable to do this to a worker, especially in these fields, especially during a pandemic. And Leslie, you think about it, John Deere and Kellogg's are the quintessential American company names. You know, you think of these these names, you you think about, you know, a John Deere tractor that's green that you had as a kid um, or you see in the fields or in commercials. You think about cereal that you grew up eating. Um, and, and these quintessential American companies are basically stomping on the American workers, um, you know, and you expect more from these corporations like we've talked about. And, and certainly you would hope that they, they can see ahead and see that this is, this is the time to be stepping up as corporate citizens and doing what's right. You know, there's no question about it. And again, like, you know, when we talk about these things, you know, you talk about food, right? Um, you, 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 you talk, you talk about food, um, you talk about healthcare, um, you talk about equipment. I mean, th- 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 these are all things that these people are essential workers and these things are essential to all of our lives. And so these workers, anything they do in their job, anything they're making and, and you know, and, you know, they're mass producing to we the consumer. We need this. We need them. We rely on this and we rely on them. Um, but uh, let's talk about uh, that uh, John Deere, right? Uh, they were able to get a good contract um, a days before they were forced to strike. Uh, excuse me, I'm talking about Kaiser. Let me go back to Kaiser. Um, Ka- Kaiser, we had said they they pushed it. They didn't go to a strike. They were really up against the clock days before they were going to strike. They were able to get um, a, a good a good contract. Um, but there was a vote to authorize a strike in early October, striketober. Uh, tens of thousands of workers, tens of thousands of workers are Kaiser, again, where people are needed in their jobs, where people want to do their jobs. But for, for crying out loud, 
you you can't get blood out of a rock. These, these people have given everything that they can and then some. When you just look at the amount of hours that they're putting in, and a lot of these people, I just want to ro- remind everyone watching and everyone listening, you know, especially during this pandemic and especially in healthcare, these workers wear many hats. They don't just do the job that they were hired to do because there are people that get sick and, and have to leave and they, they have to pick up the slack. So there's people out there doing the job of two or three people and they're doing jobs in addition to the job that they know and they were trained to do because that's what you do when you work in these businesses. That's what you do uh, when, when you work in healthcare and when you work for a company like Kaiser. Totally true. And, and we label these workers essential. And then when it comes to the bargaining table, employers want to say, you're essential. We need you to come in here. We need you to make these record profits for you, for us. But hey, you know what? Um, you're essential and we appreciate it. But now we have to take more from you because we have to make more. And it feels like that's really a trend. Um, and that's really the pattern that we're seeing. Um, we had some steel workers who ended up on strike uh, November 1st at Arcelor Middle in Shelby, Ohio. And these people, we talk about working long hours, they are scheduled 56 to 60 hours a week. And they are scheduled to work seven days a week. And it's not because um, there's something that's happening and so they have to work a little bit of overtime. Instead of hiring more people, um, you know, the company wants to schedule them to work seven, seven days and they want to see their families. They want to spend time with their kids. They want to go to some ball games. Uh, they want to go to church. And so they had had it and they ended up going on strike November 1st. And after 10 days, they were able to win, uh, win some things in their contract. But it's that kind of pressure that's really pushing workers to take this action um, you know, I can't imagine being forced to work seven days a week, week, a- week after week after week. It's just it's unconscionable. It, you know what? Even God rested on the seventh day. Right. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, why you know, we have Sunday. It's the first in our week. I always say that, you know, when I'm just, I, I'll, I'll be like, I need a day off. Even God rested on the seventh day, you know, but all jokes aside, that doesn't help your workforce. It doesn't help. I know corporations think they help with productivity, but, you know, they say happy wife, happy life, you know, happy worker, better productivity, happy worker, better work environment, happy worker, better worker. And not just that, you have to look at these are human beings. Uh, They're not just numbers on a spreadsheet. Why do you think, Melinda, these corporations push it to these points? Because they know workers are going to band together. They know workers are going to unite. They know workers are going to strike if they're not treated in in a decent manner. And these are not unreasonable requests, keeping life insurance that they've had, keeping healthcare benefits that they've had, keeping those costs down, especially when these corporations are making record profits and certainly can afford to do that. And and asking for, you know, a decent COLA cost of living adjustment uh, increase uh, to their wages. Can you speak to that? I mean, I think that they, they push it because they're money hungry, because they're greedy. Um, yeah. You know, one of the, the things that they said at Kellogg's, Kellogg's is greedy, not needy. They don't need these concessions. They're greedy. And I think it is the bottom line in driving up dividends that's really pushing this. And it has been for, for decades, really. Absolutely. And so now, right in this moment, we're seeing Strike Tober plus because workers 
with the labor shortage are feeling like they can push further and the company scare tactics don't work. Absolutely. Um, and so it's really, it's really inspiring to see. It is. It is. Melinda will be back with you in a moment. Back with Melinda Newhouse from the United Steelworkers Strategic Campaigns Department. She's director there. I'm Leslie Marshall. Quick break. And back to you and her right after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. How you doing? Happy Friday. TGIF. Melinda Newhouse from the United Steelworker, who directs the United Steelworkers Strategic Campaigns Department. As I mentioned, they support members during challenging bargaining. She's been with them for 23 years. Her department helped USW members mobilize and build power across a wide range of industries, steel, oil, paper, healthcare, and more. Check out their website, usw.org, and please follow them on Instagram at Steelworkers and on Twitter at Steelworkers as well. Melinda, thank you uh, for holding and welcome back. One of the things, whether it's Kaiser or whether it's John Deere um, or whether it's, um, you know, steel metals and the list goes on, in all of these cases, we see a pattern. And that pattern seems to be that solidarity, and collective action in these individual workplaces, uh, with the workplaces and with the unions across the labor movement won, right? I mean, that won. They won Striketober. They won uh, the day. Uh, can you speak to that? Can you speak to the solidarity and the collective action and that be- being a winning formula? Uh, for workers this time around. Absolutely. We know that if we stand together, there is power in numbers. You know, the biggest strength that if you if you go to your boss and you have a suggestion and it's just you, then the boss may listen to you, but it's just you. If you have a group of you who go with the same suggestion, the boss listens more carefully because now it's several people. And that's really what's happening is workers are standing up together and that collective action is what gives strength. It's what uh, gave strength to steel workers who work at Starbucks in Victoria, British Columbia, um, who recently organized with our union and who recently got a first contract. And it's why workers now we're seeing workers, you know, in other parts of Canada Um, and uh, across the U.S., uh, namely in Buffalo, New York, at Starbucks, where people, workers are standing up together and saying, we have this sense of community together. We have some things we want to see changed at our workplace, and the best chance we have at making change at our workplace is by doing it together. Well, I think they see um, the power of having a union and the benefit and the power of having a union behind you they see the benefit of solidarity. They see the benefit of collective action. Um, they see what happened with Striketober and how in employees got what they wanted with the solidarity, with this collection, the collective action. And, and that's why it seems more and more workers are looking to organize in more and more areas where they haven't been, you know, whispering, uh, uh, you know, in uh, in the break room about unionizing. You mentioned uh, last year. Uh, the members, USW members in Victoria, British Columbia, who ratified their first contract with Starbucks. I'm hearing there's a lot of cheering from the sidelines, not just in Canada, but here in the United States, 
at other Starbucks, like you mentioned, Buffalo, and even more that are looking to do the same. Is, is that true? Is this becoming, uh, you know, like a wildfire? Uh, I think it is. And I think that it, it goes beyond Starbucks. It's just an example. But, you know, workers are, we are getting a lot of interest from workers in all kinds of sectors who want to, like I was saying, want to make change in their workplace. They see things that they don't like. They, they were deemed essential and then are non-essential when it comes to things that they need. Um, and so, you look at the recent fight at Amazon, um, mm-hmm. that uh, big warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, um, where there was uh, a vote last year and the National Labor Relations Board has ruled that Amazon broke the law and was intimidating workers and it will be uh, a new election now. But if you look at that, one of the most difficult things facing that campaign at Amazon is that there is such high turnover at some of these employers. Um, there are less than half of the people who were who were there last year are currently there. And so there's a lot of churn, particularly at employers where uh, they face the kinds of conditions that Amazon workers do. Uh, there's a reason why people don't stay there. Um, And the only way to change those working conditions isn't because we talked about corporate America, um, you know, getting their head on straight and seeing that these are real people with real concerns that should be dealt with. And I will mention, these are not the kind of conditions that they would be willing to work under. Um, Instead, they're okay imposing it on other people to make money for them, but they would never do that. Um, Just like, you know, they were safely working from their offices on Zoom uh, while many of our members went to work every day during the pandemic, especially during those early days when it was scary. We had no idea what was happening. Um, And so you you see that workers are wanting to become union. They're wanting to have a voice at their workplace, but they still, Leslie, face so many challenges in doing that because there are just so many obstacles that are in the way to try to prevent them from being able to do that. No, absolutely. When you you talk about Amazon, those employees face stiff stiff opposition from uh, from Amazon, and, and many employees face very stiff opposition from their employers, not just uh, at Amazon, um, you know, workers that are actively seeking protections of a union. These cor- And the reason these corporations are fighting so hard, why? Because these corporations know that a union for these workers is going to be better for the workers. Otherwise, they wouldn't be fighting so hard. And the reason these employees are these workers are fighting so hard to unionize is because they know it will be better for them. They know that they need somebody to help them to stand in the gap with these corporations. And like you said, you know, you know, one part I was thinking about something at my kid's school when you said that uh, I complain. It's one thing I get a group of moms to complain. Well, now now we have their attention. Right. So, I mean, they know that a union is not only going to be there to sit down at the table to speak on their behalf, to have their back, but to be able to fight on a different level, a stronger level to get those wages, to get those health care benefits or the cost of those health care benefits to be reduced to get that life insurance or to keep that life insurance, to keep that pension, to get a pension or to have those vacation days 
uh, that you, you keep them or you're added to them, you don't get them taken away. They know this. They, they're seeing this place after place after place. You know, sometimes I'll see like, you know, union membership is down and I'm thinking, how? Because you just see more and more places, more and more workers wanting to, unify, to, to unionize because they know it's going to be a benefit to them and that they they see, you know, people, workers at places like Amazon, Starbucks and, and Hollywood, right, as well. Um, you know, who were, who were saying, we we need this, we can't do it ourselves, and we know that we'll be better for it if we do. That's right. I mean, there's more public support right now for unions than there has Absolutely. been in decades. So we know people are supporting the labor movement, supporting unions, but also wanting to better, have better things for themselves and their families and the next generation. And so, when workers start to organize, that's when they really see what kind of obstacles are in their way that uh, corporations throw up in their way, um, rules that uh, Congress passes in order to, you know, cut the power or of, of workers and to give more power to uh, corporations. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, Leslie, we my great union, the steel workers, was organized in the middle of the Great Depression. And that, you know, sometimes it takes these uh, periods of stress and something major happening in the world and the country that really sparks energy and action. And, um, you know, my union was founded in the fire that way. And I think that we will see other unions and other uh, workers gaining unions because of the strength that they feel right now given what's happening in the last two years with the pandemic, with this collective action that we're seeing and with uh, the labor shortage, allowing them to have more power than they might have had, you know, a couple years, three years ago. Um, and so I really feel like we're in, we're at a very inspiring time and that people are very courageous and are stepping forward. And I'm really glad to see it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we're almost out of time in less than a minute. Anything you want to say that I didn't ask or that we didn't cover? Um, I would like to just thank you for having me on and say that, you know, I think that Striketober is something that happened, but it's not something that ends in October because it's called Striketober. It's a, it's a movement that's going to keep gaining steam. Absolutely. And I want to say, uh, to your point where USW was formed in the fire during the Depression, if you will, to your words, I like that. Um, the intimidation by corporations is tough, but if you fight and uh, you're in solidarity and you're united, it's worth it because once you're in that union and the union's behind you, the intimidation does stop and the corporations uh, use the intimidation hoping that these workers um, won't make it through the fire of that uh, to become a union and to get the wages, the benefits, the holidays and things like that, uh, the the pensions and the insurance, life insurance and, and other things that they deserve. Melinda, thank you so much for being with us. Melinda Newhouse from the Steelworkers Director of the USW Strategic Campaigns Department, like I said. Please check out the website. They do more than steel, usw.org. Follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers. Follow them on Instagram at Steelworkers. I'm Leslie Marshall. A shout out and thank you to Marky Mark Grimaldi, our executive producer. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back with you next week.